right, good morning, church. We are excited to worship with you. As you can see uh, uh, from the uh, picture, I picked up a, another child. Uh, I got Jonah Boss here playing acoustic guitar, and uh, it is uh, everybody just, uh, you know, shout out in your own homes. It is his birthday today, so everybody just yell out, happy birthday, Jonah. Uh, he has turned 15, so we're excited to have him in our house to help us do lead worship this morning. And uh, I've known Jonah for, for a long time, and this is not to, to give a little speech about Jonah, but I've known him for, for eight years, and and so um, I very much have, have appreciated getting to know him more and more through the years, and um, truly do view him as, as one of my own uh, family members. So I'm excited that he can help worship with us this morning here in the Dreesen household. So uh, we're going to go ahead and start with uh, Build My Life. <clears throat> Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. And holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fail me. With heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever be, we live for you, we live for you. And holy, there is no one like you, there is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. And holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes. 
wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. I will build my life, Lord. And I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation and I will put my trust in you alone. And I will not be shaken and I will build my life. Upon your life, it is a firm foundation, and I will put my trust in you alone, and I will not be shaken and holy. There is no one like you, there is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. And I will build my life upon your love. It is a beginning us in worship this morning and Jonah a special shout out to you my friend 15 years of age uh, that was a long time ago since I saw 15 but I know those were some incredible times so happy birthday buddy so uh, this morning I just wanted to we have a few announcements but I wanted to start off with a, a thank you card that we received in the mail and I thought just what an encouragement it is uh, it was for me and hopefully it's an encouragement for all of us as well uh, just want to read it for us here today. It says, Dear Timberline Church, this seems like such an inadequate way to show our gratitude, but we wanted to express our deepest thanks to your congregation for your partnership for the, uh, with the Backpack Buddies program at Urbandale Middle School. You have especially gone beyond your calling in supporting our community during this difficult time and and mean it when we say, the needs of this community would not be met without your ministry. Thank you for your generous hearts, continued partnership, and friendly service. With gratitude, 
uh, the middle school uh, uh, liaison and Urbandale Community School. So I just want to give a shout out to you, Timberline. Thank you for all your faithful support. Uh, for those that are behind the scenes, making sure that we get the food in and we have the opportunities uh, to pack all that food and for all that do, uh, for those who do the delivery and get that food out to those that are in need in our community. And, and that's been part of my heart uh, since, we, since, uh, since we planted this church is that the community around would recognize if we weren't here, they would miss us. And so God has been gracious to continue to move in our church family to answer the needs, the deep needs of our community. So thank you. It's part of uh, knowing, loving, and serving God, each other, and our neighbors. So, uh, so I'm just encouraged. I'm glad you're here with us this morning. Although we can't be here in person quite yet, uh, we can certainly gather and worship in uh, via technology. And a special th shout out to our, our, our technology gurus, Cody and Tim, behind the scenes. We could not do this without you. I'm just so thankful uh, for you brothers and your partnership in the, in the gospel ministry. Uh, through all this technology that you've put together. Just incredible. Um, for announcements, you guys, uh, this week, uh, just a remind, quick reminder and a heads up, uh, next Sunday's Mother's Day. Now stay tuned to Realm, because uh, we're going to put some stuff out there uh, this week, uh, about this week, and especially about next Sunday on Mother's Day. We won't be gathering in person for, for worship, but I'll just say this. Stay tuned to Realm uh, for some special things that are going to come uh, your way Mother's Day next Sunday. Uh, uh, just a reminder, keep the 555 going. For those who have kind of been enjoying that, I hope you have been enjoying it more and more. Uh, five minutes a day, find five people and reach out to them uh, for five days out of this next week. Uh, and man, what a time to uplift, to encourage one another. I know I've even received some phone calls of uh, just encouragement as being uh, some of people's five, uh, uh, five people that they're reaching out to. Uh, consider who that might be. Write them down this morning as you're thinking about them and uh, make plans to reach out to five people each day, just for five minutes, and, uh, and be an encouragement to them. Pray with others. Think of those who might be shut-ins totally by themselves, uh, isolated this time. Think of others that are outside the church body. You might be a neighbor next door or down the street. Uh, Boy, who could that be that God would have you reach out and just make a quick phone call to to encourage them this week? Uh, another time of encouragement is Tuesday night, our prayer time. Uh, you'll see a link come out on Realm, uh, but our prayer time, we've been faithful to start at 6 and pretty much be done at 6.30. We receive prayer requests, uh, times of celebration, uh, things and updates on prayers. Uh, so if you have a prayer request you want to come in and share, it's been a great group of folks that have been able to come in together and share each other's prayer requests and celebrate God's answer to prayer as well in many ways. So we'd love to have you Tuesdays uh, in the afternoon, 6 p.m. till 6.30 p.m. on Tuesday afternoons. Now, last Sunday, we tried something new. And uh, in light of uh, having to be isolated and in a way, we did a connection time with our Quest kids and uh, many of our teachers and leaders. And, uh, it's, and it's went off just wonderfully. We hope to do that again in the near future. Uh, but today, uh, at the end of the service, if you would like to connect with others uh, via, via our Zoom link, uh, when you're done on YouTube, if you want to flip over to, to Zoom, you can join our webinar at the end of the service, and we'll leave it open for five or ten minutes so we can see one another, the kids can see each other, say hi, 
uh, encourage one another. So again, at the end of the service, uh, flip on over to the Zoom link and uh, you'll find that out on Facebook. You'll say that on Realm and uh, we'd love to connect with you just for a few minutes on the back end of the service today. Uh, just a reminder, thank you for all who continue to give online. Uh, and those who, uh, who, if you need help giving online, feel free to reach out to Connie uh, Bixaman via Realm and she'd be honored and, and she's more than willing to help you uh, get you all set up with being able to give to keep the ministry of Timberline Church moving forward. Uh, we do have needs that continue, benevolence needs, our, our fund, our, our budget, the, the fund that helps take care of our budget, all of our budget expenses, those budget things still continue to go on. And, uh, and if you'd like to give towards backpack ministry, we've ramped up backpack uh, by the request of the Urbandale Community Schools uh, for the middle schoolers. Uh, there's a lot of need out there. So if you'd like to give, if God's blessed you above and beyond, uh, feel free to do that. You also can drop a check in the mail. Thank you to all those who have been doing that as well. Drop it right here to the church and, uh, and we'll get that money routed directly wherever you're asking for it to go. So thank you so much for your continued partnership in the gospel. Uh, lastly, uh, you might be wondering in light of Governor Reynolds' uh, announcement that churches can actually start to gather. Obviously, uh, you've seen that we aren't gathering quite yet together. Um, I've been connecting uh, with, the, with the elders and the leadership about uh, what is the right time, what are the right policies and procedures for when we are to reopen. Uh, stay tuned for that. Um, I've also uh, been uh, corresponding with our district staff, uh, their wisdom there, uh, been reading a bit from others and talking to other fellow pastors in the, in the Des Moines area, um, just to have some wisdom in all of this and when is the right time to gather again. Our hearts are to gather and I hope you know that and I trust that you do, uh, but we recognize uh, we want to be slow to do the, we want to be wise and not move too quickly. And we feel it's better to go a little bit slower than to go and do the right thing than to go fast and maybe possibly not be doing the right thing. So pray for wisdom for all the leadership. And again, just remember, we are looking forward to the day when we can gather again together uh, in person to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and to be in community with one another. So now hopefully that day will be soon. Uh, stay tuned. We'll try to update on Realm uh, whenever, as we have more and more clarity in the days and weeks to come. All right. Well, we're going to turn it back over to, to uh, continuing our time of worship this morning. It's a new song called Tethered. And uh, I heard as the worship team was practicing this morning, uh, great words there. If you're unfamiliar with that song, just invite you to listen in and listen deeply uh, to the words of who we are to be tethered closely to. So, Randy and team, would you would you continue to lead us in worship this morning? Yeah, thanks, Pastor Gary, and, and thanks for setting that up. I, uh, this is a new song that we want to we want to worship with you guys in and and tethered. I, I love that word tethered and and what that means. Um, and um, you know, the song is tethered to your heart. I love that that we would be tethered to um, God's heart. That um, with with all of the things going on. Um, yet, you know, with the pandemic, um, and frankly, any, any time, whatever we've got going on in our lives, that, that we are tethered to his heart, and, and the verses, you know, are, are, are just as beautiful, where they talk about, you know, I don't want to miss your beauty uh, of heaven all around us, and, and I think we can, we can sometimes do that, we can sometimes go uh, throughout our day and focus in on, 
on whatever it is we have, whether it's work or, or whatever life brings us. Um, but, um, you know, just, just sitting back and, and pondering on, and reflecting on, on God's beauty all around us, um, you know, the wonder um, all around us and the wonder of being in his presence um, is such a beautiful thing. So, um, yeah, uh, we'll go ahead and, and start worship now and, and sing this song called Heavy. I don't want to miss the beauty of heaven all around me. Your power and your mercy, the greatness of your love. I don't want to lose wonder being in your presence, knowing such a friendship to be with you, my God, in everything. God, I throw into your hands Not just want my life To ever be entwined with you Tethered to your heart Not just want my soul To ever stand in awe of you Tethered to your heart, oh, tethered to your heart. What more could I desire? What greater things to treasure? I believe there's nothing better than living in your love. Caught up in the wonder being in your presence, knowing such a friendship be with you, my God, in everything I am. God, I grow into your hand. I just want my life. Never be entwined with you, tethered to your heart. Not just want my soul to ever stand in awe of you, tethered to your heart. Oh, tethered to your heart. Take me deeper. I want to be where you are. I want to be where you are. Draw me closer. Take me deeper. I want to be where you are. I want to be where you are. Draw me closer. Take me deeper. I want to be where you are. I want to be where you are. 
just want my life to ever be entwined with you. Tethered to your heart. And I just want my soul to ever stand in all of you. Tethered to your heart. Oh. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, those are uh, some beautiful words there. Lord, just the imagery of being tethered to you, being tethered to your heart. Father, it's it's hard to imagine, uh, but we, we, we recognize it with great celebration, Lord, that you've invited us to be your children. Lord, you have called us to be your own. Lord, we are not just the, made in the image of you, Father. We have the privilege of having a personal relationship with the God of all creation. Lord, and we get to be tethered to you. Now, Father, we confess that all too often in our, I know in my life, Lord, I want to run off and do my own thing uh, instead of recognizing I, I have the privilege of being tethered to you, to listening to you, to obeying you and to obey your commands and to follow your spirits leading in my life. And Lord, I suspect I'm not alone in that. And I pray, Lord, this morning as we confess that before you, Lord, that you would you would, you would hear our prayers this morning as we gather. We are thankful, Lord, that we get to be tethered to you through this journey. Lord, and especially, Lord, during this time of isolation, as difficult as it is for all of us, Lord, we thank you that you are an ever-present God, Lord, that hears and answers, that is right there beside us, that is not unfamiliar uh, with with the challenges of, of of our lives, Father, for there was a time, certainly, Lord, where where your son was isolated, uh, as well as he hung on the cross alone, for us, Lord, he bore our sin, he bore our grief and our shame, he bore it all by himself, Lord, for he was the good shepherd, the great shepherd, to take it to be the lamb for us. Father, we recognize that this morning. We thank you that we can gather in honor, tethered to you, celebrating our salvation in Jesus Christ. Father, we, we recognize, Lord, the opportunity we have with this relationship with you to present our, our, our prayers before you. And Father, we first of all, Lord, we just want to pray for continued wisdom and direction for our country. Lord, for the leadership of this country. Lord, guide them, we pray, with wisdom and discernment. We pray for the same, Lord, for our governor. We pray the same for our city officials. Give them wisdom and discernment how to proceed in the midst of this pandemic. Lord, give wisdom to your church as well, that your church, your capital C church, would be uh, wise and discerning, uh, Lord, in the, in the days, the weeks, and the months to come. May we be an incredible witness Lord, to you throughout this, this world, Lord, as we take steps into the, into the time ahead. 
Father, we have prayer requests before us. Lord, we think of the our dear friends at Woodlands Creek, many of whom would be will be on this uh, will be on YouTube joining us this morning. Lord, we lift them up. They have been uh, in their rooms for a very long time now, Father. I pray, Lord, that we could continue to be a blessing, Lord, as we build relationships through our pen pal ministry, our phone pal ministry. Lord, we pray that they would be encouraged as much as they encourage us. Remind them, Lord, that we look forward to getting together again. Father, we pray that your the good news of Jesus would just run through entire the entire place of Woodlands Creek, Lord, that all may know that the reason we celebrate is because of Jesus, his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to connect to many there. Encourage them, we pray. Lord, encourage those that are alone, Lord, as part of our body. Lord, may, Lord, just lift them up, comfort them in these times. Help them to recognize you are right there beside them. Father, we think also of our seniors, uh, Lord, the ones in college and the ones in high school, Lord, that, that are graduating here in May. We pray, Lord, that we can be a blessing to each and every one of them as, we, as, as they put a marker in the ground and they take bold steps into what is ahead in their lives. So, Father, we pray your blessing upon them. And, Lord, you know each and every one of them by name. Encourage them, we pray, Father. Lord, there are those in our midst who have lost jobs. Lord, we pray, Lord, in these uncertain times, Lord, that you could bring certainty by opening up just the right doors for the right jobs for those who need them in our community. So, Father, we pray your blessing and your answer to prayer there. Lord, we thank you. As we've heard the thank you note from uh, the Urban Up Community Schools, Lord, that, that we've been a light to them and we continue to be a light to them to help feed the hungry. Lord, help us, Lord, to continue to be a light to them. And Lord, as more and more are hungry in this community, give us wisdom, Lord, how we can be a part to help them. And, and Father, we pray for those that are hungry. Lord, make a way uh, when it seems like there is no way. Lord, make a way that food, Lord, could be provided for those in need. And may your church rise up to answer. Father, we love you. We thank you that we can gather, at least in this way, to worship you in spirit and in truth. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I invite you now, if you have, hopefully you have your Bibles uh, available this morning. Uh, we're going to turn it over to Jen as she reads Psalm 76 for our morning scripture reading. To the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm of Asah, a song. In Judah, God is known, his name is great in Israel. His abode has been established in Salem, his dwelling place in Zion. There he broke the flashing arrows, the shield, the sword, and the weapons of war. 
Glorious are you, more majestic than the mountains full of prey. The stone-hearted were stripped of their spoil, and they sank into sleep. All the men of war were unable to use their hands. At your rebuke, O God of Jacob, both rider and horse lay stunned. But you, you are to be feared. Who can stand before you when once your anger was roused? From the heavens you uttered judgment, the earth feared and was still. When God arose to establish judgment to save all the humble of the earth, surely the wrath of man shall praise you. The remnant of wrath will you will put on like a belt. Make your vows to the Lord your God and perform them. Let all around him bring gifts to him who is to be feared, who cuts off the spirit of princes and who is to be feared by the king of the earth. Thanks, Jen. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, I want to give a special shout out to our, our residents at Woodlands Creek. Um, we miss you. I miss you. I miss seeing you guys. Um, and I'm praying for you, and I hope that you guys are all are, are, are doing well and as well as you can be um, being quarantined. I'm praying that God would um, give you peace right now and that this isolation um, would end soon. Um, so that you guys can um, be together with us and, and be together with one another again. And, um, and to all of the rest of the Timberline Church family, um, we miss you as well. And, and we just can't wait uh, to see you all again. And as Gary was sharing, um, we're, we're talking about reopening, um, but, but going to wade through that and not jump and make, make too quick of decisions. But, but we are so looking forward to gathering together again as a body. And I know for me, um, Zoom meetings are, are great and it's an amazing technology that God has given us, but it is no replacement for gathering together as the body of Christ. So um, we continue to endure, to patiently wait and to trust God in, in, in the meantime. So um, with that, I'm, I'm really excited to get into this Psalm, Psalm 76. And it's a really interesting Psalm. Um, and has a lot of really striking language in talking about God and um, probably to, to a lot of people and, and to the world, especially it's, it's very uh, controversial. Many of the, the ideas that are brought up out of this, the, the idea that the Lord is a warrior and, um, and that he judges and crushes his enemies. And um, how, how is this good news? And, and what about God are we going to see in this text today that, uh, should put hope in our hearts and cause us to trust him and to, to love him and to fear him rightly. Um, if you are around the age of 80, you have lived through at least five major wars that the United States was involved in. None of us alive today actually can say that we've experienced life without war. And I was even just reflecting. I remember when George uh, W. Bush was president and after just after 9-11, when, when we sent troops to uh, Iraq and um, all, were fighting against terrorists and, and Al-Qaeda, and that was, that was 20 years ago that that happened. Uh, next year, in 2021, it will have been 20 years since 9-11. Many of us uh, have never experienced, and I would, actually I would say all of us have never experienced life without war. And the reason I bring this up is I, I think the idea of war... Um, can bring up a lot of bad feelings and a lot of um, fear. 
And I want to acknowledge that the language in Psalm 76 is talking about battles and talking about war, but this Psalm is not exalting war. It's not exalting fighting. It's not exalting destruction. We know the cost and the tragedy of war and our brothers and sisters who have served in the military know even better what that cost and the tragedy looks like. But rather, Psalm 76 highlights and praises God's ability to bring war to an end. It declares that God is stronger than the most dangerous armies, that God judges not by some arbitrary moral scale, but to save and to lift up the humble and the poor. This hymn Psalm 76 rebukes the military conquests and strategy of man, and it ushers in a kingdom that overcomes human conflict and destruction and provides a place for all to find salvation and peace. The language and imagery of Psalm 76 in form is very similar to other psalms like Psalm 46, Psalm 48, Psalm 84, Psalm 87, and Psalm 122. And in this psalm, we see God depicted as a warrior who breaks the flashing arrows, the shield, the sword, and the weapons of war. God strips the stout-hearted of their spoil, and he kills them. He rendered the men of war helpless, and both rider and horse lay stunned. He is to be feared. No one can stand before him when his anger is roused. He cuts off the spirit of princes, he is to be feared by the kings of the earth. It's a very striking and, 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 and fearful picture of God, that his power is so great that no one can stand before him when his anger is roused and when he pours out his judgment. Now, some believe that Psalm 76 describes or at least references the events found in 2 Kings 18 through 19. And if you want to turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Kings 18, I'm going to look at a verse here in a moment. But there's disagreement, and it's not totally clear if, in fact, these passages are directly connected. At the very least, 2 Kings 18 and 19 can serve as an example of a time when God showed himself, both to the nations and to the people of Israel and Judah, and to all generations, that he is a warrior that his glory and power and dominion is over the whole earth and every, everyone in it. God is loving towards creation, but he's not a pushover. He can't be manipulated, and when someone or something tries to steal, diminish, or blasphemes his glory, he responds with righteous judgment. So let's consider that this link between 2 Kings 18 and 19 and Psalm 76 should be held loosely, but let's observe the, the example in 2 Kings 18 and 19 to help us understand how the truths of Psalm 76 should be applied to Israel and to us. So at the time, in 2 Kings 18, Israel is divided between the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. The beginning of 2 Kings 18 informs us that there's a man named Hezekiah who is now ruling over the southern kingdom of Judah. And Hezekiah, for those of you that don't know, is the son of King Ahaz, who was considered to be one of the worst kings in their history. 
But Hezekiah, the text tells us, is not like his father. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And one of the first acts of his rule was going and destroying all of these altars that had been set up all over Judah, where the people had been offering sacrifices to idols. It references a bronze serpent that was made by Moses when Israel was wandering in the desert. There was a plague of venomous snakes that came, and when people gazed at the serpent that Moses had made, they were protected from the bites of the snakes. But the people, rather than worshiping God for providing this miraculous delivery from these snakes, turned the bronze snakes into an idol and were worshiping it. And it says Hezekiah took this bronze snake and he destroyed it. He cut it into pieces so that the people would only worship the one true God in Jerusalem. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him or before him. The Lord was with him. Wherever he went, he prospered. Now in Hezekiah's day, the world power at the time was the Assyrians. The Assyrians had conquered many nations, including Samaria and the northern kingdom of Israel. And we know that God had sent the Assyrians as a judgment against Israel because Israel rebelled against God and turned from worshiping him. The people didn't obey the voice of the Lord God. They transgressed his covenant and they neither listened nor obeyed. Now, during Hezekiah's 14th year as king of Judah, the Assyrians attacked all of the fortified cities of Judah and took them, except for Jerusalem. So they're very close to conquering all of Judah, except for the, the capital city of Jerusalem. And this is where King Hezekiah has a moment of weakness. Instead of trusting God, he assumes that God is judging them just as he did with Israel and that the Assyrians would conquer them. So he bar bargains with the king of Assyria and he tries to pay him off. And at the same time, he strikes up an alliance with Egypt to come and help them. Instead of taking the bribe, though, the Assyrian king sees their weakness and he decides it's the perfect time to get them to surrender, thus taking Jerusalem and conquering all of Judah. And the king of Assyria sends someone to go and talk to the people of Judah, his Rabshakeh, the chief commander, and he sends him to Jerusalem and he stands in the middle of the city at the water source and he threatens them. He mocks them. He says, on what do you rest this trust of yours? Do you think that mere words are strategy and power of war? In whom do you now trust that you have rebelled against me? He mocks them for making an alliance with Egypt, saying that no one who has ever trusted in Egypt has ever succeeded. He mocks Hezekiah for destroying the altars in Judah, thinking this angered God, and he tells them, not even your own God will help you. He goes further to say that even if we gave you 2,000 horses, you and Egypt could not defeat us. He's saying we could beat you with our arm tied behind our back. And the intention of this Assyrian commander was to put dread in the hearts of Judah's leaders and in the hearts of all the people so that they would surrender. He says, don't listen to Hezekiah, who would make you trust in the Lord to deliver you. Instead, make peace with me. And if I can pause there for a moment, doesn't that seem awfully similar to how Satan offered Jesus a way out of, of his 
death and his, his, his resurrection. He said, all this I will give to you if only you bow down and worship me. But then the commander goes one step too far and he points to the nations that had been conquered and he, he said, which of the nation's gods could stop us? Your God is no different. But he was wrong. Yahweh is different than the God of the nation, gods of the nations. He directly challenges and he blasphemes Yahweh, not realizing that the Lord will not stand by. He will defend his glory and he will defend his people for the sake of his glory. Hezekiah learns all of this and he tears his robes and he covers himself in sackcloth and he enters the temple and prays. And if you turn with me in 2 Kings chapter 19, verses 15 through 19, this is Hezekiah's prayer. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God. You alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see, and hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but they were works of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they were destroyed. So now, O Lord, our God, save us, please, from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, O Lord, are God alone. It's an amazing prayer, and it shows the heart of Hezekiah as a king, even though he struggled and he became fearful and was worried that God was judging Judah just the way he judged Israel. He comes to God and he recognizes his power and he prays before him and pleads with the God of the universe to save him. And after this, Isaiah the prophet comes to Hezekiah and he says on behalf of God, your prayer to me about the king of Assyria, I have heard. And God answers Hezekiah's prayer in a really amazing way. Chapter 19 ends with the angel of the Lord coming out and striking dead 185,000 men in the Assyrian camp and driving them away. Not even an arrow was fired into Jerusalem. The siege wasn't even started before God the warrior destroyed the army of the enemy. The king of Assyria himself retreated back to Nineveh and was there for 20 years. And then after 20 years, he was murdered by his own sons. So what could Israel take from an example like 2 Kings 18 and 19 to believe about God? And, and when they sang Psalm 76, what, what are the things that they would have been thinking about? There is only one God. He is the one that is to be feared. Devote yourselves to him and trust in him alone. If you are humble, listen to and obey his word. He is going to take care of you. But those who are full of pride, who reject and challenge him, he will rise up in anger and judgment and his justice will be poured out on them. So with that in mind, Let's go to Psalm 76, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray before we dive into the word together. 
Father, we are so thankful that you are a God who has made himself known, that you have revealed yourself to us, not only in your word and the preservation of your scriptures, but you have sent us your son, Jesus, that you have sent us your Holy Spirit, that we have a relationship with you because of what Christ has done for us. And God, I pray that as, as we get into your word this morning, that you would show us powerfully who you are, that we would stand in reverent fear and awe of you, that we would bow ourselves, bow our hearts in humility before you, recognizing that you alone are God, that your power is unmatched, that your glory is unrivaled. Help us to surrender our own fears, Lord. And there are a lot of things that this world brings that, that can cause us to fear, things that Satan wants to cripple us with. Fear of the unknown, fear of death, fear of getting sick, fear of, of financial provision, of whether or not we'll be able to pay our bills, fear of, of strife and conflict that has happened in our relationships, some of it from just being quarantined with our families. Lord, fear of when all of this is going to end and, and what's going to happen in the future because of this. Lord, I pray that you, as we see you this morning, Lord, that we would see that you are the only one who is to be feared and that because of your presence and because of your power and because of your glory, you would drive all of those other fears out of our minds and our hearts, that we would trust you alone. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In Judah, God is known. His name is great in Israel. His abode has been established in Salem, his dwelling placed in Zion. There he broke the flashing arrows, the shield, the sword, and the weapons of war, Selah. Glorious are you, more majestic than the mountains full of prey. The stout-hearted were stripped of their spoil. They sank into sleep. All the men of war were unable to use their hands at your rebuke, O God of Jacob. Both rider and horse lay stunned. So the first thing that Psalm 76 highlights is God's presence in Jerusalem. This first stanza is making clear that God has made his glory known, not just in Israel and not just in Judah, but to all of the world. The centralization of God's presence in Jerusalem is really significant for Israel. And this doesn't mean that God was not omnipresent in the Old Testament but rather that he chose the specific place of Jerusalem to make his dwelling. Second Chronicles 7.16 says, For now I have chosen and consecrated this house, that my name be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. God's dwelling in Jerusalem showed his commitment to Israel and to his covenant with David, that they would not lack a man to rule in Israel. Now, because of the New Testament, we know that this promise to David of a kingdom that would have no end finds its complete fulfillment in David's descendant and heir, Jesus. After Jesus came, there was no need for God's presence centralized in Jerusalem in the temple because God had literally come down to dwell among mankind. 
He walked this earth for 33 years in perfect holiness and righteousness so that the appointed time he would become a perfect, unblemished sacrifice for all of us. That he gave himself up willingly as a sacrificial lamb to be wrongly accused and convicted, to be beaten and crucified, to die and to be gone for three days. But then God the Father raised Jesus from the dead, and after Jesus showed himself to his disciples and ascended, the Holy Spirit came and dwelt in the first disciples who believed. And ever since, everyone who places their faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior receives his Spirit. So we understand through the New Testament that God's presence is not just in Jerusalem, in the temple. That God's presence has now been made clear to us in Jesus and in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. God does not dwell in a temple made by human hands, but we are his temple, a people in whom God permanently dwells. My parents recently took a trip to Israel and they got to see a lot of really neat historical sites. And I actually got to FaceTime with them when they went to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And I got to see as they were looking at the, the western wall of the Temple Mount, which, if you don't know, is a place of, of prayer and a place of mourning and a place of worship for Orthodox Jews and a lot of different flavors of Judaism. And it was really interesting because my dad just said it was really sad to see all of these people mourning and, and hoping in something that was ultimately hopeless at this point. They're hoping in the reconstruction of the temple in Jerusalem and in in the reinstitution of temple sacrifice and worship because they think that that's how God is going to come to them. But they're missing the greatest promise that God has already fulfilled. They're missing the greater king who has already come. That God has made himself known through his son Jesus and come to us in the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. You don't need to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to be with him. Because Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And in John 10, 9, he said, he is the door through which we enter and are saved, brought into the presence of God. God has made himself known. His glory is available if you seek him. You will find him. Verse 1 and 2 highlight God's presence. And we have to understand first what God's presence meant for Israel, but especially what God's presence means for us through the work of Jesus and of the Holy Spirit. The text then shifts in verse 3 and continues to highlight God's glory, but his, his glory is a warrior. The enemy of God isn't always external, we see. At times, Israel was their own enemy. When they rejected God and didn't listen to or obey his word, they brought God's anger and his judgment on themselves. Psalm 76 tells us that rebelling against God, running from him or fighting against him is futile. The weapons of war are useless against him and apart from him. Assyria's mistake was that they thought that their success and their strength and their might was their own doing. But the reality is that they would not have conquered a single blade of grass if God did not allow it. 
Likewise, Israel's might or their safety or their protection as a people was completely dependent on God. The northern kingdom was an object lesson that because of their rebellion against God, they couldn't defend themselves from, from the attacks of the enemy, and they were eventually conquered and exiled because of it. So in Jerusalem, God will show his people and the nations that his might is unparalleled, that he cannot be overcome, and their only hope is to turn and surrender to him and trust him. Verse 5 stout-hearted, the prideful who feel no fear for God, who either reject him or blaspheme him. And it says they will be stripped of their spoil. They are destined for death. Even the strongest people have no strength at God's rebuke. They and their weapons are rendered useless. So in all of this, we see that God's name, his glory will always be great. If God is rejected, he will make his name great in the judgment that he pours out on those who reject him. If God is believed, obeyed, and trusted, God will make his name great in how he saves, in how he provides, and how he protects, and how he works for the good of his people. John Piper described God's glory, and I want to read his, his definition. In, in describing God's glory, he said this, God is in a class all by himself. He has infinite perfections, infinite greatness, and infinite worth. And then John Piper goes on to say, the glory of God is the manifest beauty of his holiness. And catch this part. It is the going public of his holiness. I love that. God's glory is the going public of his holiness. The world needs to see, needs to take hold of and consider his holiness and his glory to then understand why he alone is worthy of our worship and our devotion. Beholding God's glory is what causes us to believe in him. When we see him, we can't help but believe in him. Romans 1.20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. God has made his glory known since the very beginnings and the foundations of the earth, and we have no excuse not to believe in him. Hezekiah believed in him. Hezekiah beheld the glory of God, and what did God do in response? He listened to his prayer, and he saved and delivered his people. So what does it look like to behold the glory of God today? Well, Hebrews 1.3 says that he, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So the author of Hebrews is explaining to Jewish Christians the supremacy of God and his glory and his son over the angels. He draws their attention to the one whose glory they should be focused on. Behold, Jesus, who upholds the universe by the word of his power. Behold, Jesus, who after making purification for sin, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. 
Behold Jesus, who has become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Beholding the glory of Jesus trains our hearts to believe in him and to rely on him alone. When we behold the glory of Jesus and believe in him, the result is that we're saved both from our sins and from death and from judgment and also from fear and anything that we face in this life. Knowing that he is powerful and sovereign over everything. And this is the peace that Paul talks about that surpasses understanding. But we have to, we have to pause for a moment and we have to recognize that our hearts are easily dismayed by so many things. And this has been a time of testing for our hearts, hasn't it? Worldwide pandemic, economic collapse, financial crisis, loss of jobs, struggling marriages, isolation, slavery to our own sin, and the constant barrage of Satan's attacks on our minds and our hearts. Where will we turn? Whom will we trust in? Who can save us from our brokenness and from this fallen world? Friends, behold the glory and the power of Jesus. There is nothing to turn to besides him. There is nothing deserving of our worship and devotion above him. There is nothing apart from him that can save and deliver us. Behold the power of Jesus. Let's look at the next stanza in verses 7 through 10. But you, you are to be feared. Who can stand before you when once your anger is roused? From the heavens you uttered judgment, the earth feared and was still. When God arose to establish judgment to save all the humble of the earth, Selah. Surely the wrath of man shall praise you. The remnant of wrath you will put on like a belt. So the next stanza, the point of this stanza is God alone is to be feared. No one can stand before him and endure when his anger is roused. When God uttered judgment, the earth feared and was stilled. An example of this is in 2 Chronicles 20, and it records a time when Judah trusted in God, and he delivered them, and he destroyed their enemies. And in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 29, it says, The fear of God came on all the kingdoms of the countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. None of the enemies of God's people could withstand when the Lord came against him. When the nations witness and they see how the Lord fights on behalf of his people, they fall silent. They witness his glory. The continued principle of this psalm is that the humble who turn to God and trust him are saved from their enemies, that God judges the prideful who reject his glory and in turn save his people from their hands. Now in talking about fearing God, this is an interesting subject and I've had conversations with people who have really fought against the idea of fearing God. And and we can't take, take a a personal definition of fear. And, you know, I think, I think of a friend of mine who had a dad who was fairly belligerent in their home and yelled at them a lot in that his, his way of leading and controlling his family was by yelling. 
um, and, and, and causing them to fear him, but not, not in a respect, reverence type of fear, but in a, in a terror of him. And this is not the kind of fear that we're talking about. I think, I think God is feared by the nations and by those who reject him in forms of terror because it shows up in judgment. But for God's people, for us, what does it look like to fear the Lord? To give you an example, have you ever seen a dangerous predator up close, like a, a bear or a lion? I have a video I want to show you of a lion playing tug of war with three bodybuilders, and we're going to transition over to that video. But, but just notice how strong the lion is compared to these three very, very strong men. Let's take a look. Just let us know when you guys are ready to tap out. She's not moving. She's not moving. I love that. She's not moving. She's not moving. It, it didn't take long for him to realize that it didn't matter how strong the three of them were. This lion wasn't going anywhere. To give you some stats on the strength of a lion, an average lion weighs about 550 pounds and can run and burst up to 50 miles per hour. That is a lot of weight moving very quickly. And they can jump as far as 36 feet. A lion's jaw has a strength of 600 pounds per square inch. Now let me ask you this, in a hypothetical scenario, if you were face to face with a lion in the wild, would you doubt its power? Would you mock it? Would you antagonize it? Would you test it even? I think any of us with common sense would say no. You would have reverent fear and respect for the power and might of this animal, wouldn't you? Well, let's, let's tie this now to, to how we view God and his power and in his might. If we recognize the power of God, how can we remain prideful and stout-hearted? A right fear of God gives us a right perspective of ourselves. It humbles us and makes us dependent on his mercy. Just like the, the might of this young lion humbled three very strong men, they realized that the lion's strength was so much greater. The Lord judges the prideful and brings them down from their lofty position. But if you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, he will, with, he will lift you up. A right view of God and a right view of ourselves humbles us and it makes us dependent on God's mercy. Now, if we think of Jesus in his humility, Jesus was fully God and he had every reason to be prideful. He was literally the best Bible teacher that has ever walked the earth. He walked on water. He literally controlled the weather. He turned water into wine. He healed people. He drove out demons and he brought dead people back to life. That's pretty powerful, wouldn't you agree? If you think that your big stuff, if you're struggling with, with being humbled by who Jesus is, take a look at your business card. What does it say? Even if it says chief executive officer of the, of the greatest um, business in all of the world, consider what Jesus would say. 
creator of everything, Lord of heaven and earth. Even CEO pales in comparison to who he is. But Jesus, who had every reason to be prideful, came and he was humble and of low estate. In reverence of the Father, he humbled himself in obedience, even to death on the cross. God raised him up from the dead, exalting him now at his right hand, and he gave him dominion and rule over everything. So, in humbling ourselves before God, we're following the example of our Savior. And if in Christ, God's judgment on our sin is satisfied, If we humble ourselves and believe and obey him, we can fully expect to be exalted with him in glory. So I ask you, what do you fear besides God? What do you fear besides Jesus? What right now are you afraid of? What are the looming realities that Satan wants to cripple you with by causing you to be afraid? Death, sickness, isolation, uncertain future, fractured relationships. Because of the power of God and the glory of God that has been revealed to us in Jesus, let's rebuke Satan right now. Let's declare together that we fear the Lord and the Lord alone, that our lives are in his capable and faithful hands, that we will trust in him for he loves us and he works all things for our good and for his glory. And there's so much power in doing that. And I think what we should do on a daily basis is is when we're feeling anxious or when we're feeling fear because of our circumstances or, or, or because of anything in our lives is to rebuke that fear. That fear does not come from the Lord. And and, and rebuke that fear and replace it with a reverent fear of God, saying he is the one in control. He is the one who has power, that my life is in his hands, and that I trust in him for all things, because I know he is good, and I know he loves me, and I know he does everything for my good, even the hard things, even the things that I suffer through. He is doing them for my good, and for his glory. So I will not be afraid. I will only fear him. And then the final stanza of our, of our passage today in verses 11 through 12 is, is a response of the people to everything that we've looked at in the text. And, and the theme of this last two verses of this last stanza are, is God will be praised. Make your vows to the Lord your God and perform them. Let all around him bring gifts to him who is to be feared, who cuts off the spirit of princes, who is to to be feared by the kings of the earth. I was reflecting last night with our college and young professional group about how God has always been faithful throughout history. And one of uh, the college students in the group started going through all of the different times throughout history, in, all the way back to the garden when, when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, how God still provided for them. How even after Cain uh, killed Abel and, and even after Israel repeatedly rebelled against God, he was still pursuing after people. That no matter how many times they failed, he pursued them. That he let them experience judgment to humble them and cause them to repent, but that he defended them from their enemies. 
that he heard their cries and that he saved them over and over and over again. And it reminds me of why God is the Lord, why he is God, and why I am not. Anyone who's been quarantined with their kids can attest that we run out of patience, right? That we eventually stop giving our kids another chance. That we are quick to punish and we're slow to give grace and mercy. That we complain about how our kids are disobedient and all we want is them to respect us. We say things like, I brought you into this world and I can take you out of it. How far we fall short of the grace and the mercy and the glory of God. Isn't he so much greater than we are? His steadfast love endures forever. His patience is perfect. No matter how many times we fail, his mercy is more. He is the father of the prodigal son who is always ready to receive the son who is humble and returns to him. God is the warrior who always saves his people. And the right response in verses 11 and 12 is for his people who are saved to respond by worshiping him, by making vows to God, committing ourselves to him in love and obedience. Everyone on earth will bring gifts to the Lord who is worthy. Even those who reject him will see his glory and will bow the knee. Even the princes whose spirits are cut off, even the kings of the earth, God will break the prideful, he will save the humble, and the earth will know that he is the Lord. So this psalm in these three stanzas calls the worshiper to know three things about God. He has made his glory known. He is to be feared above all else. He will be praised and worshiped. So how will you respond to him? My prayer for myself, for my own heart, and for all of you is that we would humble ourselves to trust him with every area of our lives because he's capable and he's faithful. To trust that he leads us in battle against spiritual powers and authorities, that there is nothing, not not your sin, not your death, not Satan himself who can can bind you and can control you any longer. Satan is rendered powerless because of the gospel of Jesus. He has no power in our lives. Jesus is coming again as a warrior to defeat all evil and to deliver us into his kingdom forever. I think one of the best ways this morning for us to see Jesus in his eternal glory, to fear and to praise him, is to to reflect on the vision that John saw in Revelation 19 verses 11 through 16. If you want to read it with me. Revelation 19, 11 through 16. I think it'll also be on your screen. Listen to this description of the eternal glory of Jesus. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. In righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, 
people following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress in the fury of the wrath of the God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Behold him, behold Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, in all of his glory. Fear him, believe in him, worship him, for he is worthy. Let's close this morning with a worship song together, responding to him. Because of his glory and his majesty, he is worthy. Let's worship. morning when I rise to meet in the morning when I lift my eyes you're the gentle light that falls around you're the first thought on my mind let our voices rise all creation cries, singing out an endless hallelujah from this moment on. Join with heaven's song, singing out an endless hallelujah. In the moments where you go unnoticed, in the ordinary day to day, countless miracles of life around us, point like arrows to your name. Let our voices rise, all creation cries, singing out an endless hallelujah from this moment on. Join with heaven's song, singing out an endless hallelujah. Only a moment to live this life Like shooting stars burning up the night Till heaven's open and we arrive In your presence, Lord in your presence, let our voices rise. All creation cries, singing out an endless hallelujah from this moment on. 
join with heaven's song, singing out an endless hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, only a moment to live this life like shooting stars burning up the night till heaven's open and we arrive in your presence Lord in your presence let our voices rise for creation cries singing out in endless hallelujah from this moment join with heaven's song singing out in endless So if you're on YouTube, jump on over to Zoom. Um, we'd love to see you guys and, and um, just have this time of community connection where we can uh, have a little chit chat. So come on over.